Let's grab our Bibles this morning. Let's look at our theme verse for the year. Psalms 127, verse 1. Let's join together. Psalms 127, verse 1. And let's look at what the Word of God says. Psalms 127, verse 1. We're going to read this verse together when you get there in just a moment. Psalms 127, in verse 1. This is our theme verse for the year as we're seeking to build families of faith here for the glory of God. The Bible says in Psalms 127, let's read the verse, ready, begin. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. May that verse help us this year. I challenge you to memorize it, hide God's word in your heart, and let that verse impact you this year. We have studied over the last few weeks, last two Sundays, and I know sickness has abounded, but it's sure good to have each one of you in the house of God. And thank you for those of you who have been connecting with us through messages, even when you're out, just saying, hey, look, I would listen to the message. It helped me. And I appreciate you doing that because it helps us to know how to pray for you better. A lasting legacy begins with what kind of decisions? Little, Little decisions. And often we are so focused on the big decisions in life People run from one big decision to the next, and a lasting legacy begins with little decisions. And we looked at that in Genesis, and we saw how little decisions made a big difference in these families. As we continued last week, we looked at two men and two destinations, and we looked at Luke chapter 16. We looked at a rich man who went straight to hell, and we looked at a poor man who went to heaven. And we looked at the dis difference between the two. And what it was. And I tell you, what a, what a great passage that is in Luke 16. It's a passage that actually very few uh, churches even preach on nowadays because most people don't believe in hell. But I tell you, my friend, because, of, uh, because we see heaven and we see how sweet heaven is, we see, look, there's wickedness in this world. See, the devil, the prince of this world is working. And he's leading men to, two to one destination away from God. God wants us to go to heaven and put our faith in Christ. And we saw that last week. As we continue on, and we saw this phrase, which I thought was so good from Dr. John MacArthur last week, and I think repetition is the key to learning. Superficial knowledge of God, a shallow knowledge of God, a limited knowledge of God contributes to a limited understanding and a limited faith and a limited trust. We want to have full trust and full faith in Jesus Christ. This week, as we continue, we're going to look now at John in chapter 3 in verse 30. John chapter 3, and we're going to look at a very short verse, but yet a very powerful verse. After the service, we're going to have a cake reception for Christian Stephanie. We're looking forward to that, so thankful for this sweet couple. And in this passage, I want you to notice what the context says. Jesus says back in verse 27 of John chapter 3, uh, sorry, John says, John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Now, in context with our message today, notice that, what John says. A man can receive how much? 
nothing, nothing except it be given from him from heaven. He says, ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is, uh, he that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is, this, thus my joy is therefore fulfilled. John says in that passage, he says, I'm not Jesus. I'm not the bridegroom. He says, I just get to attend the wedding. I get to be one of the groomsmen. And there was a wedding we had a few weeks ago. And Christian was the man... The bridegroom. Okay, it's an old word, but a great word. We speak of the bride, and there's the bridegroom. Now we just call him the groom. The Bible says the friend rejoices at the wedding. Why? Because of his friend. Now John says in verse 30, speaking of his relationship with Christ, he's drawn an analogy, and now he says in verse 30, he must, what does he say next? Increase. Increase. But... I must decrease. He must increase in our homes. He must increase in our lives or the other will happen. We will increase. Have you ever noticed, have you ever reached the point where you realize you can't live the Christian life in your own strength? Have you ever got, you got there yet? If you haven't got there, you need to get there, okay? We can't do it in our own strength. That's why so many people try to be a Christian. They're not a Christian very long. Uh, so many try to, people try to do commitments, make commitments to Christ, and they can't follow through with two weeks of a commitment to Christ. Why? Because we are still trying to increase. We haven't let him begin to increase. It's impossible to live the Christian life in our own strength. Only through the power of Christ can we find the strength to die so he can live. Look at what Isaiah says. This is a parallel verse, and you'll notice it right here. Isaiah 7, 9 and verse 7, it says, Of the increase, notice the word increase, of his government, the increase, it says, there shall be, and peace, there shall be no end. Of the increase of his government, speaking of Jesus Christ, how his government, his reign, will increase. So when Jesus Christ comes into our hearts, it would be fair to say that he wants to increase and continually increase until he fills every area of our life. And the most beautiful thing, when we decide to follow Christ and we put our faith in him and become a Christian faith, we start to allow him to come in our life. We allow him to come in our home. And he begins to increase and fill every area of our life. And we are now filled with his spirit. If you're not yet filled with the spirit, my friend, God wants to increase in your life so that you will and I will be filled by his spirit. God is so big and he is so great that he has the power to fill each of our hearts at the same time with a continual increase of power, wisdom, and might. Think about that. Out of the billions of people on this world, in this world, God said came. Jesus came to die for all men. He has the power to give a continual increase to every single person on the planet at the exact same time. That's powerful. And John recognized that need when he said, He must increase, but I must increase. Decrease. If there's one thing that you get this morning, that's what I want you to get. He must increase. We must decrease. Increase is expected. Notice in the text. He must increase. If you notice the words in Scripture carefully picked, 
When you study these words out, you see, my friend, God intends for there to be an increase in our life. Increase is expected. What do you think about the climate in which we live? We live up here in the northeast where it's cold. But increase is expected. This time of year, hopefully you already did a few things around your house. Okay, this is the time of year where you discover how well those windows work. Negative 10? You figure it out real fast. You find out about that door that you didn't know was leaking air, and all of a sudden it starts to pour in. The government offers incentives often, right, for energy savings programs. If you buy these windows, if you get this commode, if you upgrade this thing, you can now participate in our energy savings program. For what purpose? So that your home will be more efficient. So that you will have to spend less money, so there will be an increase in savings. Look, if you spend thousands of dollars on a new furnace, you expect an increase in your fuel savings, don't you? Especially, we all need an increase in our fuel savings this year. Doubled fuel cost. Wow. All right? Look, if you buy new windows, you expect an increase in warmth. If you add insulation, you expect the temperature of your floor to increase in your house. None of us would be willing to waste thousands of dollars on energy savings without getting some sort of compensation. There's an expectation that when we take our car to the shop, they'll be able to fix it, and the vehicle will run better. Don't you have that expectation? Okay? I mean, I had an expectation. My car, the van, you know, we're going to take it on, down on the trip and start burning oil real bad. I had an expectation. I took it to the shop, and I found, after being here four and a half years, I found a mechanic I, I could trust. And I went to the mechanic, and they gave me a good deal, and they took care of it, and I said, just go ahead and fix it, all right? Uh, I don't want to work in the cold to fix that thing. And, and they had to put a new valve cover on it, new valve cover gaskets, because that thing was leaking out. It's a weather time for valve cover gaskets, and this thing was pouring out oil. And you know what? They fixed it, and now there's a decrease in smell, and I think there's a little bit of an increase in fuel economy, all right? I was kind of looking for that. I was looking for it to run better. But you know what? I'm really going to be looking for an increase now, because then this week it decided it didn't want to start. And so we had to take it again into the shop. Nothing like within a week when your vehicle just, you know, likes to keep braking on you. And uh, we took it to the shop, and wouldn't you know it? Couldn't figure it out. Nobody could figure out what was wrong with it. We took it to Dodge, and we paid them all this money to just tell me that the battery needs to be replaced. Now, there's another problem going on. It just wasn't acting up when it was in there, okay? But I do expect an increase. I expect the vehicle to run better. It has left my wife stranded three times, and I've had to go run and jumpstart her. So I expect an increase. I expect to not have to go do that again for a long time. All right? Now, you understand? We want things to work better. In the same way, in our life, God wants an increase. Look, if you buy food, don't you see this on the box all the time? It says 25% more. They forgot to tell you it's 25% more air. <laughs> okay? In the cereal box, right? The price went up, 25% more air. Okay? Um, and, and we expect an increase when we see a percentage, Right? If our phone company promises better coverage, I expect to have an increase by getting a better connection where my phone used to drop and lose service. If you buy a, just something as small as a pack of pens, and those pens say they last longer and they work better, and they'll work when it's negative 10 in the truck, I would hope that they'll work, okay? We expect things to work better, and that's sometimes why we will spend more for them. If you buy and you invest in stocks, you expect them to go up. If they don't, you'll probably be advised to sell and reinvest. 
Look, we all expect an increase in everything we invest into, and so let's turn the table. God's invested a lot into us, all right? He expects a good return on the investment. He's provided us all the tools that we need to grow, and we have direct access to increase in any area of our life at any time. So he expects an increase. An increase is expected. Look at this verse, Hebrews 4, 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, it says, that we may find mercy, it may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He promises direct access. He wants us to have an increase. He says we can come anytime. The throne room's open. The problem is we often live our life in our own strength and we're tempted to boast of our increase. That's why they created Facebook. Daniel, how are you feeling today? Nobody really wants to know. Why did they ask me that question, right? You notice that about Facebook? They ask you, how are you feeling today? We care about your memories. I'm like, you don't care about my memories. You care about selling junk to me, okay? <laughs> but, right? You understand in your life, there, we live in a world that is pulling for increase, and we're all tempted to boast of our increase, but if we be honest, the increase sometimes that we boast about is actually a decrease. And we just do a good job convincing ourselves that we've improved, when the truth be told, God might not have got a good return on his investment yet. Okay? God might have not got a good return on his investment in our life yet. Increase is expected. Moving on, as we see in this passage... Increase is impossible. Increase is impossible. He says, he must increase, but I must decrease. Have you tried in your life to try to let Jesus Christ increase, and you're going to die to self, and you're going to stop living for self, and then all of a sudden you fall and fail like just right after you got started? Okay? That happens for all of us. So increase is impossible. You say, Pastor, but he says we must. So we, increase is impossible. Follow me. The best thing that can happen to you and me is for us to miserably fail at life and fall so far that we realize that we can't grow by ourselves. The best thing that could happen to us would be for us to realize it's impossible to live the Christian life by myself. That's the best thing. Because when we realize we can't do it and we in our heart truly come to a place where we die and we say, I can't do it. Now we're ready to have some increase. So increase is impossible. Look at John in chapter five, uh, 15 and verse 5. For without me, Jesus says, you can do how much? Nothing. Nothing. So that's why we're trying to live the Christian life, your best life now. It's a book that was very popular a few decades, about a decade ago. But truly, my friend, my best life's going to be in heaven, not here. Okay? Increase is impossible. There are some things that God does to humble us, and he does the same to every man. Look, don't get upset when God takes away your pride and glory. He's got to completely sometimes gut out our lives so he can build his perfect work within us. God doesn't like handyman specials. You ever buy a house that had handyman cobble jobs all over the place, okay? It's absolute junk. I enjoy houses that are older, 1900s, 1800s, whatever, the older houses... But if they got a lot of remodeling to happen in there, I don't like to buy that kind of a house. Because half the time, it's just a bunch of Band-Aids stuck on top of Band-Aids, stuck on top of Band-Aids, and it's an absolute disaster. And many of you men who work on houses know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a disaster. Sometimes in our own lives, if we be honest, 
sometimes some things are a little bit of a disaster because we put a Band-Aid on it and we didn't let the Lord fix it. It's impossible. See, he's into complete, total heart renovations, heart renovations. See, most of us figure out pretty quick that, the Christ, that following Christ is not easy. The problem is we do feel pretty good and we create a substitute Christian lifestyle. Uh, that isn't the will of God. We can feel like we're growing when we're actually backsliding faster than we ever had before. You ever have a friend? They'll be boasting about how they're walking so close with God, but you know the truth is they, they're not, right? And they're, just, they're boasting about how amazing everything is, okay? For without me ye can do nothing, and in our own strength we fall and we fail. Look at another passage. Increase is impossible. Jesus, uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10... Verse 12, wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. He says, if you think you're doing well, you're going to fall. Look, there's been a, never been a time in my life where I was running away from the will of God, or some leader God gave me, where I didn't run further from God, okay? And we can't run away from God and expect we're going to get closer to God. Wherefore, he says, let him that thinketh he standeth. Take heed lest he fall. It's in our mind. It's in our heart. So increase is impossible. Thirdly, this morning I want us to see, though, that increase is intentional. It's intentional. The best thing that, you can, ha that can happen to us is for us to fail and then find that Jesus Christ is sufficient. Spiritual growth is expected, but it's impossible. And the reason it's impossible is because only God can give us pure intentions. Look, we can't grow in our own strength. And we can't have good motives unless God gives us those good motives. We must have purified, God-purified intentions if we're going to have lasting growth. This is why it's... It, we, and by the way, we live in a generation of popularity, do we not? Uh, increase is intentional. Watch out for the rapid growth stocks. Okay, everybody's into all this rapid growth stuff, and I won't get into all the different types of currencies, but everybody's all into that stuff. And you know what? Um, Increase is intentional, it's slow, methodical process heading the same direction. Um, we must have God-purified intentions. I have a friend who likes to invest in stocks. He, he enjoys it so much that, uh, matter of fact, uh, he's so, so good at it, they decided to quit his job. And he got a bunch of his friends to invest with him and let him invest stocks for them. One of my friends invested $15,000 in the stocks. And you know what happened. Mr. Quick Growth Scheme, it failed. And you know, my friend was pretty upset when he lost $15,000 to his friend because he trusted somebody who was into quick growth. He's like, it's making this much growth, and he was boasting about it. And then all of a sudden, it crashed. My friend... Increase is intentional. Intentional. You won't wake up tomorrow a super Christian hero filled with the joy of the Lord, filled with peace, filled with contentment, all because you followed some quick scheme. That's why we get in this, in this habit, and especially in Christianity, we'll hear a book, we'll see a book, we'll read a chapter, we'll see, see a verse, and we'll say, man, if I just do that, if I just read that book, if I do that thing, and everything in my life, all the problems will go away. And look, it's intentional increase, intentionally allowing Christ into every area of our life. It's the small choices that make the big difference. Look at what Solomon said in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, in verse 15. He said, the little foxes spoil the vine. 
Notice well the intentions of the Apostle Paul, of Apostle John. He said, he must increase, I must decrease. And here's the key. Hear and hear it well. If our lives don't show a sign of continual decrease, there will be no increase. Because he must be first place. We have to continually put ourselves in last place. When's the last time you decreased enough to recognize exactly who God used to get you where you are? Look, none of us got here by our own bootstraps, right? We needed somebody to help us, and we who are wise will be willing to recognize who helped us to get where we are. If you're wise, you recognize God used so-and-so to get me where I am, and I'm thankful for that. Increase is intentional. Um, look, we're going to make an intentional trip with some of our men this week. We're going to intentionally drive many hours. We're going to intentionally go there with a purpose, to seek God. It's intentional. And this year, when I go, and I was thinking back, I didn't realize how long it had been. John, it's been 21 years that I've been listening to the same preacher. Okay? So I'm going back to this conference, and the preacher that's going to be there, Dr. David Gibbs, I have heard him over the last 21 years preach the word of God to me. 21 years, okay? Same guy. And you know what? Dr. Gibbs is an amazing preacher. God uses him in amazing ways in terms of he's an amazing speaker. He's a lawyer and he helps defend churches, okay? That's what he does for an occupation. So he's very convincing in his arguments in the ways in which he shares the word of God. But you know what? He sometimes will use very similar illustrations and God may lead him to preach a similar message because he goes from place to place, okay? There are, I think I've heard in person about three times the same sermon. But you know what? Every time it helped me. And too often we're too focused on the new thing. We've got to have something new, something different. I'm expecting to hear some things this week that I've already heard over the last 21 years many, many times. But I'm expecting to go and be challenged to grow. Look, I'm not expecting some crazy new feeling. Uh, the way that it was for me 20 years ago when I went to the prayer dance for the first time, it's not going to be the same, it's going to be this time. But what I'm expected, expecting is to be convicted in some area of my life through the preaching. And you know what? I already have about three areas, three different things that I think God's going to convict me about while I'm there. The truth is, we know what we need to work on in our lives, and we just pray and hope the preacher will never preach on that thing. <laughs> If he does, if he does, uh-oh, he's preaching at me today. My friend, I'm going there, and I know what God wants to work on my heart about, okay? And often we already know. We know. We just hope and pray that we won't have to work on that one thing. And so we spend our entire life fighting against whatever that thing is and expecting an increase in every other area of our life, not recognizing God wants us to decrease in the area that he's going to speak to us about. See, I want you to notice this quote. Growth comes when we intentionally stop living self-centered and start allowing Christ in every corner of our life. Growth comes when we intentionally stop living self-centered. Three of you men in the room have done six months of discipleship with me. You put up with me for six months, all right? And you got to know me a little better. I got to know you a little better. But for each one who finishes the six-month process of discipleship, we all are going to reach a wall at some point. For each of us, it happened where, where when we go along, there's a, there's a place where it's like, okay, now this is going to be intentional from now on. It's intentional. And when we're following Jesus Christ, it's intentional. 
It's a decision. And when we hit that wall where it pushes against our flesh, we've got to stop living self-centered, and now we've got to start allowing Christ into every corner of our life. I must, he says, decrease. I must allow him to increase. So increase is intentional. Do you all enjoy little children? I think children are a blessing. Can I have little Lucy or Eliza right now? It makes the kids' names up, okay? All right? Little Eliza, this little one right here, she's, uh, she's growing, all right? Kids grow fast, don't they? Hard to believe this one's eight months old. But you know, little babies have something they like to do that us adults don't like. What do they like to do, guys? Cry. Cry. Happens that, you know, in the evening when they need to go to bed for the first two hours before they really want to go to bed. Friday night, this little one, who, by the way, is a very happy baby. Yeah, that's right. She was sitting on the floor, and I had some things I needed to take care of, some things I needed to do. But this little one right here wouldn't stop crying. And as parents, we're all tempted. There was the night before, okay, look, I was like, come on, I really have some things I need to do. You need to stop it, okay? But sometimes we have to do something we don't like to do. I looked down at the little tearful child and picked her. I smiled, and whenever I looked at her and smiled, she would stop crying. I was like, well, since you're going to distract me from my work, I'm just going to pick you up, right? Okay? And I picked her up, and she began to smile, and she was so happy. And I said, you know what? She's little. And I started to think about this. In just a few months, the child's going to start to talk, right? That's what they do. They start to talk at some point. Why not start on it early since you're taking my time right now, right? Right? I mean, I'm going to invest time in you right now. So why not invest the time wisely? So I just started messing around. And she started repeating some little words to me. And look, if you were sitting there, you would think she wasn't repeating the word. But Daddy thinks she was, okay? <laughs> I pointed to my eyes and said, now you say it. And she said something that sounded to me very similar. She likes eyes and ears. She can say those just a tiny little bit. It sounds the same in some ways. But there was an intentional, intentional effort with her lips to pronounce those vowels. That's what I was looking for. And you know what? It was about 20, 30 minutes worth of doing that and just sitting there and having fun with her. I could have just held her. I could have tried to do what I was doing. She was taking my time, but she's only going to be with me for a few years before she grows up, right? It's an investment. And she was very happy and delighted to say those words. By the way, we, we've had these others, and they sometimes weren't as eager to learn, especially Lucy. She didn't want to learn. She just kind of wanted to kick, have fun. She didn't want to try to pronounce the word. This one wants to pronounce the word. Eliza likes pronouncing the words. And increase is expected, and it brought joy to my heart to see a child trying. Just that she tried. You know, you know what? If she tried one time to say the word, yeah, you just tried one time to say the word, and you made Daddy all happy. All right? And in, in our life, thank you, dear, the Lord is looking for us to increase. And, friend, he's just happy if we'll say the one little word. We'll just start to move in the right direction. He's looking for just a little bit of increase. Okay? It takes... For a child, they have, to, they have to stop thinking about whatever they're thinking about, stop looking wherever they're looking, 
and they have to focus on the person who's trying to teach them. And in the same way, when it comes to following Christ, we have to stop whatever we're being distracted by, and we have to come to Him, and we have to intentionally seek to follow Christ. Um, I'll tell you, children are a great joy, and I thank God for them. The Bible says in Proverbs 20 and verse 6, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. What happens? He says most men do this automatically. They proclaim their own goodness. It's easy. We're all tempted with this right here. Increase is expected in our lives. Look, we all enjoy boasting a little bit, but that's what everybody else does. So why not be different? Dave Ramsey says to live like no one else, you ought to live like no one else so that you can live like no one else, speaking about money. We know why our society, you know why it's bored? Our society is so bored with life. You know why Christians today are so easily bored with church? One word, ego. He must increase, I must decrease. And that's not fun for any of us. Increase is expected, but it's impossible in our own strength. So we need to intentionally make decisions to follow Christ on a daily basis and draw nearer to him. John made a decision. In the passage, he made a decision. He said, he must increase, but I must decrease. John followed through on his commitment. Will you? We read about the Apostle John and how his life impacted many. Will you? Look, according to this verse, most men will proclaim their own goodness. Most men's heads are so big, they won't be able to fit into heaven. See, in heaven, we won't have a chance to boast about anything. The only thing we'll be doing in heaven is rejoicing when we see the souls there that we led to Christ. But friend, there'll be joy because the joy that brings glory to God because his power was allowed to flow through us. If you will focus your life on trying to reach people for Christ intentionally, you will have joy. Increase is expected. He must increase. I must decrease. That's a hard one right there. That goes against our culture. Our culture is all about self-preservation, self-promotion. But the apostle John figured it out. He said, he must increase, I must decrease. The question is, which one will we subtract from today? Will we subtract more of Jesus? If we do, then we're increasing our own agenda. But what if we asked the Lord and said, Lord, what do you want me to subtract from my life today? The more we decrease, the more he will increase. And the more we can live together in harmony in the family of God. Have you figured this out in life? Nobody really wants to hear about how amazing you are. Because the truth be told, we all know that we struggle. God's just looking for a humble heart that will say with the Apostle John, He must increase. I must decrease. This morning, we're going to have a time for prayer. The piano's going to play in just a moment. And I'm going to invite you to come forward and just take a moment to commit and say, Lord, simple prayer. Would you increase in my life this year? Help me to decrease. Simple prayer. Lord, would you increase? I want you to increase. I want to decrease. Show me what I need to do. I want to live by this verse. He must increase. I want Jesus to increase in my home. I want him to increase in my children's lives. I want there to be intentional growth. 
Let's stand together for prayer this morning. As we stand, we're going to take just a moment to ask the Lord to help us, to ask the Lord to direct us, to ask the Lord to work in our hearts. Father, I pray that you would move as only you can. Challenge, convict, and strengthen us that we might follow you. It's impossible to live the Christian life in our own strength. Help us to realize that and come to the place where we're at the end of ourselves and where we start to follow Jesus Christ with all of our heart. We thank you for what you are doing in our hearts and what you will continue to do. And Father, we ask that you would just move among us, that we might be a people of faith who follow Christ, and that our families might be built in the faith. As we notice in our theme verse for the year, except the Lord build the house, we are working, we are laboring in vain. Father, I pray that you would build our homes, you would build our lives, that we would decrease so that you can increase. Help us with that right now, I pray in Jesus' name. As the piano begins to play, would you do business with the Lord? Would you ask the Lord to speak to you? Would you step out from where you are and would you come forward and would you pray and would you seek the Lord? Would you ask the Lord to move? Would you ask the Lord to convict? Would you ask the Lord to help? Lord, help me. I want to increase. I want Jesus to increase. I want to decrease.